By the looks of things, hopefully you can tell we started a new series this week, and uh, we are calling it War, Winning at Relationships. Um, it's kind of funny, we wrapped up our real life series uh, last week with a Mother's Day message that really could have fit right in here with, with this message, um, and I toyed with that idea, but I thought, you know what, we'll just move it, we'll use it as a smooth segue instead. Um, and so that's what we're going to do, because we're talking about winning at relationships, all right? Winning at relationships, but notice what that doesn't say. It doesn't say winning in relationships, all right? Because first of all, that would make a bad acronym, we're, 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 I don't know what that would say. Um, but we're also, that's not our goal, right? Winning in relationships is, is not our goal. That would actually be a totally different scenario, um, kind of the opposite of, of really what we want to get at in this whole deal here, right? Um, because when we say winning at relationships, I'm talking about being, in, uh, being successful in relationships, having healthy relationships with, with everybody. And, I, and we're not just talking about romantic relationships, all right? We're talking about all kinds of relationships. Anytime we interact with other people, it's a relationship. It might not be a very close relationship, or it might be a very close relationship, but it is a relationship anytime two people are interacting. And so we want to have healthy interactions with people. And so we're going to talk about winning at relationships. So we'll start off this week uh, kind of doing a, a little bit of an introduction to the idea of this whole thing. And then uh, we'll, we'll talk about marriage. We'll talk about um, probably uh, work relationships. We'll probably talk about some parenting um, stuff. But just all of those things, all of those relationships that we have, all of those interactions that we have with one another, um, we're going to talk about. Because... Honestly, relationships with people are difficult. It's hard. It, it, we, we run into trouble. There's going to be conflict. That, that word is going to come up over and over in this whole thing. Um, and, and if it's a, especially if it's a, diff, or a, a dysfunctional relationship, it can really feel like a battle. It can really feel like we're constantly banging our heads against each other and, and bumping up against each other and, and, and fighting and arguing and just constantly after each other. And it, can, and it can be easier just to walk away. It can be easier just to say, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to seclude myself. I'm going I'm to just walk away from this whole thing, remove ourselves physically, emotionally from this situation um, because we get tired of it. And I'm there with you, right? I'm there with you. But it's like the bumper highlighted, all right? God made us for relationship. God made us to live in community, and it's worth the fight. It's worth the battle of having healthy relationships with other people um, in our lives because it's what we were made for. So this series, we're going to talk about going to war, all right? War, winning at relationships. If you're going to talk about any kind of a battle or any kind of whatever with, within the church or within uh, the context of church, the first place that my mind goes is to Ephesians 6, right, to the armor of God. We're going to talk about spiritual battle, and that's, so our, our mind automatically goes there. And so Paul is writing in Ephesians in chapter 6, and he talks about the armor of God, putting on the armor so that you can stand, right, so you can stand in that battle. And typically where we take that, the direction we go with that is the spiritual battle, right, because he says, he says that. We, so we go after it and we say, you know what, this is a spiritual battle. This is our armor for spiritual warfare. We're going to be dressed for this warfare. Um, there's an enemy out there who is against us. There's an enemy out there who is, who is out to destroy us, to pull us down, to hold us back in our relationship with God. And he's going to distract us. 
He's going to tempt, uh, tempt us. He's going to do anything he can to pull us away. And so we got to have this armor in order to fight in that battle, right? That's where we go with the armor of God. That's typically the, the area we go. And I agree with 100% of those things. I agree with that, okay? But when I went to Ephesians, because my mind automatically went here knowing that we're going to be in this subject. So when I went to Ephesians 6 and I started reading this, what happened was what always happens I start reading in, the, in the, the, the scripture, it starts out with finally. And it's like, well, all right, stop right there. We don't even have to go any further because I know if he says finally, it means he's wrapping something up. He's, he's finalizing something. He's pulling it together. So what is he finalizing? What is he, what is he wrapping up? So let's go back further. So I went back further, and then I had to go back further, and then I had to go back further, and I ended up at the beginning of the book of Ephesians. It's like, all right, well, we'll just read the whole book of Ephesians. Um, and for the studying, not, not this morning, all right? Um, <laughs> So for the studying purposes, I started back at the book of Ephesians, and, uh, and God brought out some really, really interesting things. He helped me see a perspective that I had never seen before, and it's so important that we have a correct perspective when we're looking at the Bible, when we're looking at Scripture, um, because when we read our Bibles, it is so segmented, right? It's, it fits in these nice, nice neat chapters and verses and where they have these cute little headings above them and especially if we're looking at an electronic version we only see one page we don't have the whole thing to flip back and forth right it's so segmented it's so neat and and listen god can speak to us through those chunks absolutely god can speak to us through those chunks it's kind of like we talked about a couple of weeks ago but when you back up a little bit and you look at the whole thing it can give you a different perspective on what the author is trying to say um and when I backed up and I looked at the book of Ephesians as an entire piece, God showed me something that I had never seen before. When we look at this armor of God, he showed me something about that. Because when you look at the whole book of Ephesians, Paul is writing about relationships. The whole book of Ephesians is about relationships. He, he addresses Jews and Gentiles. That's that's always that's New Testament, right? It's going to happen. Um, so, so Jewish people and non-Jewish people, and how those Christians and non-Christians are interacting um, in that way. So, he addresses Jews and Gentiles. He addresses unity within the church, how people relate to each other within the church. He he addresses relationships between uh, masters and slaves or servants. He addresses relationships between husbands and wives. He addresses relationships between parents and children. All of those things. The whole book of Ephesians is about relationship. It's a really cool thing. I never saw it before because I was always looking at those individual pieces of Scripture by themselves. But Paul lists all of those things, and, and he says all of those things, like you know, husbands and wives and, and parents and children, all those things. And then he says, and finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full, full armor of God. Can you see why that's significant? It's significant because the scripture that we're about to read that we typically see as this general counsel for spiritual warfare and, and spiritual battle um, in our lives actually comes in the context of Paul talking about how you relate to your neighbor who is not like you. How you relate to your boss or your employees. How you relate to fellow members of the church. How you relate to your husband or your wife. How you relate to your kids and conflicts with your children and things like that. The armor of God comes in the context of relationship. And Paul is saying relationships are a war zone. Relationships are a war zone with people. When we deal with people, there is a battle that is going on and it's out there. It's a minefield. 
And to be able to survive, to be able to thrive in those relationships, there is some spiritual armor that you need to put on that comes from God himself. Because otherwise, you're not going to make it. Otherwise, your marriage is going to fall apart. You're going to hop from church to church because nobody understands my needs. Nobody is addressing my needs in this body. That conflict with your boss that's been festering for a little while is going to blow up and you're going to lose your job because you don't know how to relate. You don't have the spiritual armor to relate in that situation. Your parents or your kids are going to want nothing to do with you, right? So Paul says, you've got to put this spiritual armor on. And listen, all of those things can still happen. Even if you're wearing the spiritual armor, those, all of those things can still happen. But you stand a chance of surviving. You stand a chance of thriving in those relationships if you're wearing the full armor of God. And so then it's in that context that Paul writes Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. So keep it in mind as we're reading this, and let that color your understanding as we read the scripture. So Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Can you see how the context of relationships flavors that? Man, I hope you can see it. It changed, it changed some things for me. And as we get into this series about, about relating to, to other people, one of the things that is going to continually come up is conflict. Because conflict in relationships is inevitable, right? It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be a big, big blow up. But conflict is going to be inevitable in any relationship that that we have with any other person and maybe it's because whether, whether it doesn't matter why right it could be because we have different goals for this relationship we have different understandings of what this relationship is going to mean between us right um it, there, uh, or or whether it's a conflict of personality or whether it's a difference in expectations because of a history that we have it doesn't matter why but there's going to be conflict in relationship. It can be a disagreement on what color the carpet should be. That's a conflict, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But there is going to be conflict. And so Paul says, listen, as you go into this war zone, as you go into this battle, you've got to have a spiritual armor on that's going to prepare you, that's going to help you to deal with the things that are coming your way as you relate to other people. So as we reflect on this passage, in light of relationship, Paul encourages us to put on an armor. It's not a physical armor. It's a spiritual armor. And it's because in relationship where there is conflict, we have to remember that our struggle is not 
against people. Our struggle is not against people. The real struggle, Paul says, is, against, is not against the person that we're having conflict. The real struggle, Paul says, is, is not against flesh and blood. The real struggle is against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, there may be a very real conflict between you and that person, very real battle that's happening between you and that coworker. But the ultimate struggle, Paul is saying, the ultimate struggle is a spiritual struggle. And if you really want to get at the heart of that battle, then you're going to have to attack it on the spiritual level, on the spiritual realm in that way. And as I've read this scripture, I fully believe that when Paul writes that we've got to put on the full armor of God because we've got to stand up against the devil's schemes, the schemes that the devil has in mind, that Paul is writing about, the schemes that the enemy has in mind is the disruption of healthy relationships. I fully believe that. It's the disruption of healthy relationships between people. The enemy, it has been his goal from the beginning to disrupt relationships. He wants to disrupt the relationship between you and God. He wants to disrupt the relationship between you and other people. And I believe that is a specific tactical goal that he has in mind. Because the enemy knows what we do when we have relationships with other people. The enemy knows that we let our relationships with other people, we let our relationships with other people dictate our relationship to God. We project our relationships with other people and how that's going. We project that onto God. And if we do that, if we let those powers and we let those authorities in this dark world cause chaos and confusion and pain and heartache and in through our interpersonal relationships, then all of a sudden the enemy's got a foothold and he's got a place where he can just sneak in a little word that says, see, they don't care about you, neither does God. Or, see, if God was real, then he would have saved your marriage. Or if God really cared about you, he would have saved your marriage. Or if that person is a follower of Jesus, if that person is a follower of Jesus, and they act like that, you don't want anything to do with Jesus, do you? Right? You see how we do that? How susceptible we are to projecting our relationships with people onto God. And the enemy knows that. It's not a mystery to him. He knows that. What are the, the two greatest commandments when Jesus was asked, what are the two greatest commandments? He says, love God and love people. And if, he can, if the enemy can successfully attack human relationships, it begins or it can begin to affect our relationship with God. In 1 John 4.20 it says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. See, it's a strategy. It's a strategy from the enemy. It's a scheme, and he's betting on it working. Because he knows what we do. We project on to God our relationships with other people. And I think sometimes... We need to be reminded that this is a battle, and it's a battle that every single person on the face of this planet is involved in. Every single person in your life is dealing with the schemes of the enemy. Every single person. They're being attacked 
in the exact same way that you are. See, we, we tend to focus on us and say, well, the devil's attacking me in this way. And, but we forget that, hey, you know what? The enemy is attacking that other person that we're in conflict with too. This is part of the scheme. This is what he's doing. He's causing this conflict or he's, he's bringing up this idea. So if they're, acting, if they're acting a fool and they're attacking you, they, the, the other person thinks that that battle is between you and them, right? And if we have a relationship with God and we have a relationship with Jesus, then you and I need to understand that that's not the real battle. It's not with that other person, even if they're thinking that it is. It's not with that real person. Because attacking that person back, attacking that person back in the same way that they attacked you only does more damage in the real struggle. It's not going to solve anything. They aren't your real enemy. Understanding that this is a deeper spiritual battle can actually help you have some empathy for the person that you have a conflict with. Because you understand that the enemy has a scheme that he's working on in their life too. And I'm not saying have an empathy in like an, oh man, poor them. They just don't see it yet, right? And I'm not talking about that kind of an empathy. I, I, I'm talking about a kind of empathy that says, you know what? I'm going to take this on the offensive, okay? I'm going to pray in this situation that this person finds the wholeness of Jesus. I'm going to pray that Jesus opens my eyes to the spiritual realities of what is happening here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that he does the work in me that needs to be done in order for us to find a healthy relationship in this way. Because your enemy is not the other person that you're having a conflict with. The other, your enemy is not the person that's in the struggle with you. In 2 Corinthians, it's out there on our board. Chapter 10, 4 and 5, it says, The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary... They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Y'all, we are not flinging arrows at a fortified castle. We're not. When we pray and when we invite Jesus into this situation, when we realize that it is a spiritual battle and we attack it on a spiritual level, we invite the spirit to, to attack in this way, attack the real battle, the real enemy in this way, we're dropping a bomb, right? We're dropping an A-bomb. It's, it's not a little weapon that we have. In the spiritual battle, James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We have effective weapons. And Paul is saying, put on the spiritual armor. Take up the spiritual weapons in the real battle that's happening here. For five years, my wife and I lived and served at a, at a summer camp as assistant directors um, at a camp. And for the five years before that, almost the whole summer, we were involved as counselors or staff or, or campers. Um, so basically, we got 10 years of camp. 10 years of camp. And in 10 years of summer camp, I have never come across a more difficult person to deal with than a fifth grader named Gary. <laughs> never. Never. I'm talking Gary was rude. 
Gary was mean. Gary was obscene. Gary bullied other campers. He was disrespectful to staff. He got in physical fights. That was in the first three days. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Nobody. And I was done. I was frustrated. I was done with Gary. And you got to understand what it took to get us to that level. I was ready to send Gary home. But you got to understand, we never, I don't think in 10 years I ever saw a camper sent home from Bethel camp. Ever. Because we had this understanding that the people that are acting that way, the students, the campers, the kids that are acting that way need Jesus. And they need to be in this environment. So we're going to do what we can to keep them here. But with Gary, I was done. Like, I had it. I had it. And I thought my struggle was with Gary, a fifth grader, okay? But I had a couple of students or a couple of counselors um, who I actually had as, like, fourth grade campers. It was really cool. But they came to me as 17-year-olds, and they said, listen, don't send Gary home. Don't send Gary home. We want to be on Gary duty 24-7. We'll be with Gary. We don't want him to go home. They were a lot smarter than me. And so I agreed, and I said, all right. But the next issue, Gary's going home. The next thing we have with Gary, he's gone. The next night, Gary gave his life to Jesus. And the change in that fifth grade boy, was he still rude? Yeah, he was still rude. Did he still cuss a lot? Yeah, he still cussed a lot. Was he obscene? Yeah. But you know what? The defiance was gone. Because it was not a battle with Gary. It was a battle in the spiritual realm. And I missed that part, but some 17-year-old guys saw it, and they got it, and they knew that that was where the battle was happening. When we put on the armor of God and we engage in human relationships, it's spiritual equipment for a spiritual battle because that's where the the conflict really is. And Paul says, you got to put it on. Paul says, you got to get dressed for war. you got to get dressed to win at relationships. So he says, put on your armor, right? So what is the armor? What is the armor? We're going to talk about the armor a little bit. He lists these things that, that we need to talk about. And, and listen, you can have an entire sermon series where each piece is a sermon. So we're just going to touch on these, all right? But Paul, the first thing that Paul says is he says, put on the belt of truth. He lists all these things that we're up against. He says, we're against rulers, we're against authorities, we're against powers and spiritual forces of evil. So the enemies are many, all right? There's a lot of enemies out there, and the enemy doesn't play fair. He doesn't play fair. He's going to attack you, he's going to attack me in the places where we're weak and where we're insecure, and the things that he says don't have to be the truth. They usually aren't the truth, right? The devil is a liar. John 8, says he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. It's his native tongue. And he will whisper lies in your ear all day long. It's the way he works You remember? It's a strategy. It's the way he works. His tactic is to destroy relationships. And what better way to destroy a relationship than to whisper a little lie lie in your ear about a person that you're already kind of having a conflict with, right? He meant to do that. You ever heard that one? He did that on purpose. That's a lie. You don't know that. That's a lie. He's just saying that because he's jealous of you. 
The devil is a liar, and he will say anything to ruin healthy relationships. Paul says, be armed and be protected with the truth. How do we know the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We know the truth because of Jesus. We have the truth. Listening to, believing in, perpetuating hearsay and gossip. The idea of, hey, do you know what I heard? Don't do it. That's not the truth. Don't do it. Be armed and protected by the truth. Anything less plays into the enemy's hands. Deceit destroys relationships. Let's be armed with the truth. Paul says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. As you interact with people, especially in tough relationships, you're going to be tested, right? Your patience is going to be pushed to the limit. Your kindness is going to be pushed to the limit. People will act in a way that naturally draws out of you unrighteous behavior. That's right. Paul says, arm yourself with righteousness. Put on the righteousness of Christ that can protect you from those attacks. The other thing is we've been talking about this, and we're, so we're saying put on righteousness in a, in a relationship where you're in, some, in, in conflict with somebody. But we've got to understand that that applies to all relationships, even relationships that, that are going well, that are, that are good, but then can become unhealthy. Being overly dependent on someone, on one person, we can't function without that person, that's not a healthy place either, right? Because we're searching to be made complete by another person. Your wholeness is not going to be found in another person. It's only found in Jesus. Put on the righteousness of Christ, be made whole in him. And we have to be careful with the relationships with others. We have to be careful that they remain pure. How often does a coworker relationship lead to a romantic or a sexual relationship outside of marriage? And those things, don't, don't, they don't start that way, right? They start out as a good friendship. But it's a gradual slope where you let your guard down and the enemy sees a little chink in the armor and he starts putting thoughts and he starts whispering thoughts about that whole thing. The enemy will use those opportunities to destroy marriages. He will destroy other relationships and he will destroy lives. We have to be on guard. And Paul says, before you walk out the door every single day, put on the breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, that it will protect you. And we have to decide to do that, and we have to decide to interact with the world in the way that Jesus does. Paul says, have your feet fitted with the gospel of peace. The, the last thing I lovingly say to my boys before we go out the door to school is, put your shoes on, right? Put your shoes on. Let's go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go. I don't know why it takes so long every single day, but it does. Let's get your shoes on. Come on, let's go. Paul's saying, listen, put your shoes on. You, can walk, you can't walk out the door. You can't go to school. You can't go out in life without your shoes on. I mean, you can, but it causes some problems, right? Paul says, get your shoes on. Be ready for battle. Be ready for the battle because you know the truth of the gospel. You and I know the truth of the gospel. And we get to take that truth into every single relationship that we will encounter. We get to take the truth of the gospel every, every place we go, every step we take. 
We take the gospel of peace, the good news that Jesus has come, that God wants a relationship with that person that you're interacting with, whether you like them or not, he wants a relationship with that person. We take that knowledge with us. And in those difficult relationships or in those times when you feel like, you know what, I'd just rather move to the woods and never have to interact with anybody again. I might have said that to my wife a little bit ago, right? In those times, you know that the gospel of peace, the gospel of Jesus Christ makes it worth it. For one person, for one person to find real life in Jesus is worth any headache you might have from dealing with people. And we take that knowledge with us wherever we go. And it should be as natural to us as walking out the door and putting our shoes on. We take the gospel with us. Paul says, take the helmet of salvation. Now, when we look at that, we got to look. So, so he, earlier he says, take up, or he says, it can be interpreted take up or put on. We understand the, when we look at the Greek word for take in this situation, take the helmet of salvation is a different word. It means to receive, right? So we receive, we accept the salvation, the gift that's been given to us. And he says, take the helmet of salvation, receive the full gift of salvation that's been given to you, and let it guard your head. The head turns your body. If you're riding a bike, if you're riding a motorcycle, where your head goes, your body's going to follow, right? Where the head goes, your body's going to follow. Paul says, put the salvation on your head. It controls the body. Let your salvation guide you in your relationships with people. Let the knowledge of your salvation guide you. You can live without a lot of parts of your body, but you can't live without your head. Right? As you enter into relationships with people, let your salvation guide the rest of your body. Your life is guarded in your salvation through Jesus and let that guide you. Paul says, take up the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. This is probably my, my, my favorite one here. The Word of God. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Scripture. The Bible is not a regular book. It's not a regular book. It's not a religious text full of stuff that a bunch of old guys wrote down one time when they felt like it. <gasps> I had a thought. I'm going to write it down. Proverbs might be that way, right? Um, but it's not just a regular book. It's an inspired book. It is the Word of God. And it's a tool in battle. When Jesus was tempted in the desert after he was baptized, he was taken out to the wilderness, and he, he quoted scripture. That was his weapon. Then he said, listen, you know what? Just do this. And Jesus said, no, it's written. He, he quoted the scripture. He quoted the scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's right here. It's written down. It's for us. God wants to speak to us through it. The word of God in scripture. But we can't forget that it says this is the sword of the spirit. Right? This is the sword of the spirit. The Holy Spirit which resides in each one of us. So we aren't just talking about the written word of God. We're talking about the spoken word of God who, that he will give you within your spirit. The spirit talks to our spirit, gives us the word of God, and it is a tool, it is a weapon in this battle. 
the word that God will supernaturally give to you, to others. And in the context of relating to other people, that's huge, right? Not only do we have the word of God that's written down for us that, can bring, that we can bring into the context of a relationship, but we also have the word of the spirit, which is never gonna, it, it's never going to uh, contradict the word of God, by the way. So you always know, if, if I hear a voice in my head that says something that's the opposite of what the word of God says, that's not from God, right? But the word of the spirit, which God speaks to us, the word of God that is spoken directly to us. In Hebrews it says, for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That word that is within you, and in, that word that you get to bring into relationships, man, that can cut to the heart of the issue faster than anything you could ever do. When God speaks a word into the life of the person that you're relating to, it's huge. Or speaks to you, to your heart, about the issue that you're having with that other person, it's huge. First Corinthians says that the Spirit knows the deep things of God. Ask God to reveal to you what's really going on in the conflict within your marriage. Because the Spirit will reveal to you other things that you would have no other way of knowing. He'll reveal to you the deep things. He'll reveal to you the hurt. He'll reveal to you the insecurity. He'll, whatever it is. He'll give you the words to speak healing into somebody's life. He'll give you the words to, to speak encouragement into a relationship from somebody that needs to hear it, that needs to know it. The word of God, the spirit, the sword of the spirit is powerful in relationships. And I love that image, the image that it, that it uh, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Like that's a fine line, right, to get in there. It divides it in that way. The first time that I ever preached at Richmond, um, we had two services, so I went and I was involved in the first service and I preached the first service. And I came back to my desk in between services. And when I sat down at my desk, there was a sticky note that was on my computer. And I believe it was a word from God. And somebody wrote it down. I still don't know who. I have my suspicions. But it said, you were made for this. And that word to my spirit, I needed that. I need it, and I didn't need it just for that day because I took that sticky note and I put it on my wall and I had a yellow sticky note with handwritten words on my wall for two years. And when I struggled, when I was having a rough time, I had students that I didn't know what to do with. God, what are you, what are you doing in this situation? And then how do I relate to them? What, what do you have for me to say to them? How do you want me to act in this situation? I'd look up and that sticky note was right there and it said, you were made for this. It was a reminder. And when Julie and I were wrestling with whether we were going to come to Frankfurt and plant a church with a bunch of weirdos. Right. I looked up, and that scripture, or that, that's not scripture, but that word was right there. You were made for this. Incredible, right? Incredible, the, the power that the, they did. I guarantee you they thought I was going to take that note and put it in the trash. It stuck with me for two years. Incredible, the word the power of the word from God. And if we have the sword of spirit in one hand, Paul says, take up the shield of faith. Have that in your other hand, right? Your faith goes out 
in front of you. It's taking, it, it's, it's going out, it's protecting you from the, from the beginning. Trusting that Jesus is going to guide you into all things, including in those relationships. We're trusting that, we're having faith in that, and we're going to know how to relate to other people. And as the enemy attacks you, as those fiery darts are coming your way, it pushes down all, every single one of those darts. And it might damage might put a little bit of chink in that, in that faith or in that shield, but listen, it's going nowhere, right? We're taking up any ground that the enemy would hope to, to gain. Can you see why we need each one of these pieces, each one of these parts of the equipment, of the armor that exists that's from God as we relate to other people? And remember, this is not, this is not armor or, or weapons that we use to win arguments. This is not armor or weapons that we use in order to, to lift ourselves up. This is armor and weapons that we carry in a spiritual battle that every single one of us is involved in. And it's a battle that you're in whether you want to be in it or not. It's a battle that you're in whether you realize it or not. Oh, I don't believe that stuff. Doesn't matter. You're still in the battle. Still there. Relationships are a spiritual battleground. We have this armor at our disposal as we enter into it. The third point is this, getting dressed is a choice. Getting dressed is a choice. If you're interacting with people at all, you're in a war. It's a given, right? The battle is there. But what's not as a, what is not a given is if you're dressed for that war, if you're dressed for winning at relationships. Putting on the armor is a choice that you make every single day. It's a conscious effort. It's an active process. What does Paul say in the scripture? How many times does he say the word stand? I don't remember. He says stand. It's, it's not sit. It's not lay down. It's, it's, it's not relax or, take, or recline, whatever it's saying. He says take your stand. Stand your ground. After you've done everything, stand and stand firm. It's over and over and over. Putting on is an active thing. It's an active process. It's a choice to put on the armor of God every day. We make the decision, am I going to speak truth today or am I going to perpetuate a rumor? Am I going to approach all my relationship with righteousness? Not self-righteousness, but am I going to approach all of my relationships with righteousness, with upright behavior, or does it matter? Am I going to invite the Holy Spirit to give me the word of God to give straight insight, penetrating insight into the life of this person or into, directly into the conflict that I'm having on whatever issue is between the two of us? Or am I just going to stay mad and offended? See, it's an active thing that we put on the armor of God, the full armor of God. And the last thing that we have this morning is that this is God's armor, right? He says, put on the full armor of God. It's God's armor. And it's not God's armor in the sense that this is armor that he wore in a battle, right? It's God's armor in the sense that he has made it for us. He has made it individually for us. But when I think of, of battle and I think of armor, uh, I'm reminded of the story of David and Goliath, right? David says, you know what, I'm going to go fight that giant Saul says, no, you're too little. He says, no, I'm going to go fight that giant. He says, all right, well, if you're going to go, at least put on my armor. And Saul is head and shoulders taller than everybody else in Israel. 
So David puts on that armor and it's like, this doesn't fit me, right? I can't fight in this. It is, this is not this. And so he throws it off and he takes this sling and he goes down there and, and he defeats Goliath. This is an armor that fits. It's an armor that's given to you and I directly and made for us personally. As you step out into the war zone that is uh, interpersonal relationships, we've got to put on the full armor of God. And the enemy is going to be attacking whether, whether you're prepared for it or not. And he knows your weaknesses, and he's not going to fight fair. And we've got to be prepared to the degree that we can be by putting on the full armor of God. If we have a hope in the world of being successful in relationships and having healthy relationships, then we've got to get dressed for war. Just the reality. As y'all stand up to your feet, come on up. And as the prayer team then comes forward, the last thing that Paul says in this passage, as he says, pray on all occasions and pray for the Lord's people. This is not a battle that you're fighting individually. This is a battle that we fight together. Relationships with people are difficult and we need support. We need family to be together to help support us and to help make that progress. I know for a fact that there's people in this room that have difficulty in relationships because we're people, right? I know that we have difficult relationships in our lives. I know for a fact that there's people in this room who feel defeated in a relationship. You don't know what to do. Can we fight alongside you? Please? Paul says to pray and to pray for the Lord's people constantly. And that's what we want to do with you this morning. We want to fight that battle with you this morning. So can we do that? We're going to do a couple more songs, and the uh, prayer team's going to be up here during the first song. They're going to be in the back of the room in the second song. We want the opportunity to pray with you. We want the opportunity to fight this battle with you, to come alongside and support you in it. So please, move at any point during this song. Hey, this is Pastor Justin from Capital Vineyard Community Church in Frankfort, Kentucky. Thanks for listening to our weekly message. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit us at capitalvineyard.org or on social media at at Cap Vineyard. Thanks for listening, and God bless.